Sunday morning. It's good to see everyone back. Uh, I'm going to read to you what my bulletin says is the order of worship this morning. It may be accurate. There may be some fill-ins along the way, but bear with me. Our song leader this morning will be Jordan Coates. Opening prayer this morning will be Todd English. Drew Galloway will be reading scripture. Of course, Brother Ken Forrest will be bringing the lesson of the hour. Doug Smith will conduct our minds during the Lord's Supper. Uh, and closing prayer and announcements will be made by Brandon Elliott. If you will, before we get started this morning, I'd like to start off with a word of prayer and also been asked this morning to lift up a special prayer for Sister Marilyn Martin. I think she's in the hospital is right now going through some tests. She's had some heart conditions. They're trying to figure out what's going on with her. So before we get started, if you will, this morning, let's bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you for the, another opportunity we have to worship you in song and praise. Father, we ask that you be with us throughout this worship that we may fixate our minds and listen to the lesson and be attentive to it and to apply it in our everyday lives. Father, we have many of your number here who have lost loved ones, who are going through medical issues. Father, we especially want to offer prayers up to the Scott family, the Googe family who's lost loved ones this week, Father, and ask you to be with Sister Marilyn Martin and those that are in care of her. Father, just give them the knowledge that they may figure out that what, what their ailment is and they may get her back to her normal health as quickly as possible. Father, we thank you for your church here at Bloomville and, and what it means to us, Father, and just help us continue to grow spiritually as well as in numbers, Fathers, and help us to conduct ourselves in a daily manner that will be pleasing unto thee. We ask all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. morning. Our first song this morning will be I Walk With The King. I walk with the King to heavenly land.
Before our opening prayer will be, be with me, Lord.
Let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we humbly bow before you today, thanking you for the many blessings of this life. But most importantly, Lord, we thank you for sending your Son to die a cruel death that we may have a home in heaven with thee. Lord, I ask that you be with Brother Ken today as he delivers the lesson of the hour. Lord, I ask that you just allow us to apply it to our lives and our lives to thy service. Be with Marilyn Martin, Lord, as, we, as she goes through tests this week, and Lord, please allow them to come out okay and allow her to return to her normal spot. Lord, I ask that you be with all those that are sick, all of those that have lost loved ones. Lord, I want to spe- uh, say a special prayer for Ricky Neves this week as he undergoes surgery for his mouth cancer. Lord, just be with the doctors and give them the the wisdom to do what needs to be done to nurse him back to his appointed health. Lord, I ask that you watch over each and every one of us. Guide, guard, and direct us. Forgive us of our many sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Invitation song after the lesson will be My Eyes Are Dry. Uh, Before this morning's lesson, if you would stand as we sing Anywhere is Home. Earthly wealth and made ever unto me, and a
scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Good morning, everyone. Terrific to see you today. Where were you last Sunday? Had about a dozen of you here. (laughs) But glad that we have the technology that's available to us. That despite the weather and the danger that that represented, we were still able to meet in our homes and participate in a time of worship. Yesterday was kind of an unusual day. Dee said that to her it kind of represented the whole circle of life. So on one part of this property, we had a reveal party anticipating birth into this world. And then in another part of the property, we had birthday party for a one-year-old. Another part of the property, we had a birthday for a 90-year-old. And just a few blocks away, we had a funeral for a 94-year-old. That's a full circle, isn't it? And whether... We live as Sister Johnson lived to a long life or not. That circle is just going to keep on turning and each of us are affected by its ups and downs and difficulties and frustrations that we have through life. But the one thing that I thought was great about that particular circle is that it was happening to us. That's what a family experience is, yes, the family of God. Another thing that I really like about this congregation is the trust that we have in God hearing our prayers. So I had a couple of prayer requests for this service here. And, you know, those folks that I was to pray about, we've been praying about already in this very service. Ricky Neves, who has been struggling with a cancer that was found in his mouth, undergoing treatments for the shrinking of a tumor, he's going to be having surgery on Friday. And prayer was requested for him. And by the way, he wants to thank you for remembering him in your prayers so much. And then last night, Marilyn Martin was carried by ambulance to the hospital in Tupelo with chest pain and shortness of breath. And this morning, maybe, maybe in this very hour, is going to be having a heart cath done in order to perhaps determine exactly what's going on and maybe to repair some things that need 
touching up, and we pray that all that's going to be successful. But I know that these folks, when they ask for your prayers, they can't help but hear occasionally the successes that we rejoice in, and they want to be a part of that. So thank you for the heart that you have for other people. Today, I want to, I want to challenge us with God's word to be a people who are encouraged. We live in a, live in a time and in circumstances, culture, where a lot of stresses, a lot of uncertainties, we can become very discouraged. Even Christians who are putting their trust in God can become distracted with things that are happening about and just fall into despair. I, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I want us to be triumphant, victorious. And I think the scriptures enable us that way. And I want to use somebody who's been through it all in order to instruct us in regard to that. So before we start, we're going to, again, together, mention a couple of these in our prayer and we're also going to ask God to bless us in our study today that God will really encourage us and give us, give us some insight into what we can do and how to trust him better. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for another first day of the week. I say another. It's, it's the one that we've come to. It's as far as history has gone. We have calendars that have dates to the future, but this is the end of history right here. And so you've given us yet another opportunity to assemble together, to worship. And I pray, Lord, that if this were our last assembly, that we would be heard and experienced by you as offering up every aspect of our worship in spirit and in truth. Please minimize the distractions around us and help us to concentrate fully on what it is you want us to know. And Lord, I pray you'll help me to communicate that. Uh, you know the kind of the heaviness on my heart as I share these things because this is so important. And I pray that you'll help me to communicate it despite my own inadequacies. I pray, Lord, for those who hear your word today that if there is discouragement and despair, that you will at least today provide the means by which to get beyond it. Help us to feel victorious. Help us to feel hope and joy and peace. I pray, Lord, that you will bless the hearers, that they'll hear exactly what it is they need to hear, or to ascertain it from your word, whether I actually say it or not. Oh, Lord, help us in our worship of you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. But the children of Israel, they have forsaken your covenants. They have torn down your altars. They have killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left 
and they seek to take my life. That's some deep despair right there. I, I would say Elijah, the prophet of God. I, I know lots of prophets in the scriptures. But when it came right down to it, remember the scene on the Mount of Transfiguration. When there was to be a representative of the prophets, it was Elijah, the prophet of God. You ever felt the weight of the things happening around you? You ever felt really discouraged? You ever felt the, the burden? I'm going to even say the burden of your Christianity. That's, that's a real thing. So we left a sinful life. We forsook that in order to serve Jesus. But now there is that weight of responsibility. I hear it a lot. I want to be the best Christian that I can be. That's heavy. Because the standard that I'm looking at is not somebody else. I'm not trying to be better than somebody else. The standard that I look to is Jesus. I'm trying to be more and more like Jesus every day. And if we're beset by trials or we fall into temptation, we get to stumbling about, then it can feel like a real heavy burden trying to be something that I'm lying to myself about. Maybe I'm not living as I ought to live. So my Christianity is heavy on me. I think that's why when people respond publicly, we pray for them. At least momentarily, there is the lifting up of that burden that they felt. They felt guilty. Now, at least for a moment, I feel, I feel like I've hit the reset button. I feel better. Got that weight lifted off our shoulder. Elijah is an interesting study because one would not think that Elijah would be in this situation. Elijah is one of those characters of scripture who experienced something that very few people ever experienced. And I'm going to say that he in particular, as, as far as his singularity, that is me against the world. I don't know of anybody except Jesus who actually stood in the gap like that. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the situation is that the prophets of Baal and the Asherah, they are dominating the children of Israel. Everybody's flocking to the worship of these idols. And there is a showdown between the 450 prophets of Baal and Elijah right here in this text. And so they make the agreement about this conflict that they're going to have. They're each going to build an altar and they're going to put kindling on it. They're going to cut up a bull and they're going to put the meat on the altar. They're going to call upon their God to bring down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Whoever has the God that can perform will be the God that everybody serves. Okay? 
Elijah says, you guys go first. <laughs> 450 prophets of Baal. Wow. They get to hooping and hollering all morning long, calling upon their impotent God to do something, but he does nothing. And Elijah comes up there on the hill and just very sarcastic, begins to ask about their God. Is, is he out of town? Is he asleep? Did he go off to the bathroom somewhere? Where's your God? And it just frustrates them so much. They start cutting themselves, trying to call forth the power of their God, but nothing happens. And in the meantime, Elijah has gone to Mount Carmel and he finds some stones that once had been an altar to Almighty God. Picks up 12 stones, fashions an altar, puts the kindling on the top of it and cuts up the bullock and places it. And strangely then he digs a trench around that and calls for four huge barrels of water to be dumped the first time and it engulfs everything. And then the second time and the third time, so much water that the entire sacrifice and the kindling, the altar, even the ditch that was dug, the water is flowing out. Everything is drenched. And in verse 36, it says that when the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice came, Elijah the prophet drew near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant. I've done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast brought their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and it consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell down on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. I mean, you talk about a triumph. This is a day that no one will ever forget. I mean, seriously, such fire came down from heaven that not only did it consume the sacrifice, it burnt everything up, even evaporated all of that water. Wow! Of course the reaction was that everybody fell on their face. Of course they turned to the Lord God. And Elijah with his own hand took up a sword and beheaded all of those false prophets. What a victory is this. But it didn't last. To be on such a high mountain experience and then for that to crash into the deepest valley. Well, Actually, he's not the only one that has despair like that, yes? Sometimes maybe we experience the same thing. Feeling great, best day ever. And then something happens that causes, it seems like, our world to fall apart. It happens oftentimes because we stop looking out and we turn our sights inward. I want us to survive our Christianity. <laughs> and I mean that in the best way. I, I don't want us to see our Christianity as a burden. 
I want us to see it as a joy and a time of celebration and peace, a time of walking with the Lord. Not something that is a heavy load that we're carrying along, but something that will propel us forward. And I think it comes down to the encouragement that God can provide when we, when we see this relationship with him the right way. And so I want to use Elijah as kind of the, as kind of the platform from which we can experience some of these things. First, I, I, I would suggest to you that we learn from Elijah that he ended up realizing that he, he wasn't alone in what he was trying to do for the Lord. So he concluded here in verse 10, I alone am left and they seek to take my life. I, I am it. I'm the end of the road. Why did he ever come to a conclusion like that? If you go back a few verses, back at verse 2 of 1 Kings chapter 19, you find the reason. One woman, not 450 prophets of Baal, one woman, Jezebel, when she heard about her pet prophet being put to death by Elijah and the scene that had been experienced by all the people in the turning of their hearts, she vowed by her false gods that what had happened to those prophets of her were going to happen to Elijah uh, sometime around this tomorrow. <laughs> what happened here is going to happen to you, Elijah, tomorrow. So Elijah, he's just out of his mind, afraid. And he flees. In verse 4, we find out that he is... Well, he's actually in such despair for his own life that he just asks God, Lord, will you just take my life? Because I'm no better than my fathers were. I'm, just, I'm nobody. You know, I, I may have experienced that, but that was all you as far as I'm concerned. Look at me. I mean, I'm nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm on the lamb. I'm just, I'm no good for you. And in verse 5, he has such a pity party that he sits down under, well, one translation refers to it as a juniper tree. Other translations use the word broom tree. I don't know what either one of those are. So whether it's the juniper or the broom tree, what I do get is he's sitting under a tree and he's pouting. He's not eating. He's just, he's nothing. God comes to him. He says, get up and eat. Next thing you know, verse 9, he's in a cave. Now I ask you, you get in a cave and it's dark and look around, what do you see? I, I don't see anything. More importantly, I don't see anybody. And so he makes that declaration in his despair in verse 10. Not just the accusations of the people and how that they had turned from God, but he says, I alone am left. I'm all by myself. Now I'll save you the reading and you can move down to verse 18 and find out that God saw it quite differently. God said, I still have 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal, nor have they kissed him with their mouth. You are not alone. Now here's what I want to say. Just having accumulated those few little facts... 
Let's just stop right here and make an assessment. And it's a very simple one. I just want to make the point right here that Elijah was wrong. Elijah was wrong about what he thought the situation was. Just because I gather information and I have some facts doesn't mean I know everything about it. So I may be sitting under the juniper tree pouting, as it were, but why? Why am I acting that way? Because I don't know everything. And Elijah, as great as he was as a prophet, the prophet of God, he did not know everything. He was wrong. It isn't true what you think, Elijah. Seems to me that part of what we need to do when we're in despair, when we're thinking that we're at the end of our rope, we just need to get a different perspective on the thing. Now, if it is your habit to sit at home a lot and watch the news, listen, I know there are a lot of bad things happening in the world today. There are wars going on. We've got an economy that's causing us a lot of financial troubles. There's no end to the things we could talk about that are bad news. And if all I did was sit at home and listen to the news and let that be the picture of how things are, then I would not experience or think about all the good things that are happening. That despite the economy, people are being fed out of the generosity of others. And despite the wars that are going on, there are still cries for peace. And there are places that are thriving despite the difficulties that people experience. Just because I have some information that things are bad doesn't mean that it is all gone awry. Same is true with regard to the church. If I sit back and all I hear are complaints or difficulties in the church, or I hear about this church or that closing their doors or the negative things that are happening on the outside, I may fail to appreciate the beautiful and good things that are happening right here around me. I can become so discouraged and so filled with despair that I forget who's really in charge here because God's going to bless a nation that seeks after him. I'm confident of that. God's going to bless his people if they will keep him as their ultimate focus. They'll put first things first. We are not alone in our desire to do the things that are right. Now, of course, the scriptures talk about our brotherhood and about how we're to encourage one another. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 of them. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I, I love that, right? When, when one is hurting or in this despair, we're supposed to sense that. And we're supposed to be supportive. That's, that's part of what a family does. When the challenges of life arise, we're supposed to love each other. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's what we heard last week, right? The very basic relationship that we have with one another is love. But let me say this. It, it may be, even in a family that is supposed to be identified with love, that I don't feel so loved or that somehow what I have experienced and maybe for a time I felt relief and support. Now I don't feel it so much anymore. What now? Do I just give up on you? You know that even if people fail me, I am still not alone. The Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, he says, at my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me. I want to stop right there. That sounds like somebody else to me. You know what happened with Jesus? Jesus is dying on the cross. Where are his disciples? Oh, they all forsook him. Apostle Paul says, my first defense, <laughs> they forsook me. But he goes on to say, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I did not give up in despair. I did not say, well, the whole church has forsaken me. I have wasted my time. I'm out of here. No, the Lord stood with him. If all else forsake me, the Lord is still with me. And he says to boot, he, he delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. Now, I don't know if that's literal or describes something else, but he is like, look, it didn't end there. I trusted the Lord. He came through for me. You hear me mention this text a lot because this is one of those texts. And I don't have any favorite verses. None, if you ask me what's your favorite verse, I might throw something out there, but it's really not. But there are some passages that just give me a lot of comfort. And one of those is Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, I might boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. If the Lord is with me, I don't care who's against me. Now, don't I want my brethren encircling me and loving me and patting me on the back? And absolutely. But even if they don't, the Lord is going to be there by my side. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, Elijah had to learn that being in a cave isn't the place to be. There's nobody there. Trust in the Lord. Get out of that cave. And so he learned that truth. He also learned that there was work to do. There's something to be involved in. So verses 15 and 16, the Lord says to Elijah, who's just got his mind just kind of on the negative dark side right now. He says, Elijah, I got things for you to do. You have got to get out of here and go anoint kings and a prophet. Oh, let me be more specific. You need to go anoint Hazael as king over Syria and Jehu as king over Israel and Elisha as a prophet in your place. 
You do not have time to sit here under this tree and moan. You don't have time to run off and hide in a cave. I need you. I need you busy doing my work, the thing that I had equipped you to do. Let's get beyond this. Let's remember the victory on Carmel and let's get with my program. Well, I think that's pretty good advice because we've got work to do too. Is that what, is that what it is in being a Christian? We were talking about carrying a burden around all the time. Maybe part of that burden is that you have been given responsibilities or you sense that there is something that you ought to be doing. You're just simply not doing it. Part of getting that burden off of your back is just to get busy. And the reason you feel that way is because when you came up out of that water, you became a new creation. But what kind of creation are you? Well, we often talk about being saved and going to heaven and all that because that's yay. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen to that. Walking in them is progressive. I don't just do a thing and that's it. I do a thing and I keep doing a thing. I'm, I am in the process of the works. Maybe the reason I feel this heavy weight on me is because it's just piling up the things I ought to be doing. And if I will give due diligence and hang in there, I will be successful. Ken, how do you know that? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 15. Be diligent to present yourselves unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Get busy. The, the idea of diligence there literally is the idea of rolling up your sleeves. Why do you roll your sleeves up? Because you've got work to do. Don't get those nice fancy Sunday clothes dirty. <laughs> roll those sleeves up and get to work. And, you know, we're already talking this whole year about grasping the opportunity. And what's our theme text? Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Does that say do it halfway? It says do it with all you've got. Get it done. Be involved, invested in this work. Elijah was given work to do because that's what God's people do. They work, they toil, they're in participation with God with the guarantee of success if we'll align ourselves that way. Why wouldn't we be on fire for the Lord? Elijah, get out of that cave, get out from underneath that tree and get busy. Elijah, he also came to realize that the Lord had assured him victory. So verses 17 and 18, he says, oh, hey, don't worry. You know, I'm, I'm having you anoint all these people. Listen, whoever escapes Hazael's sword, don't worry about them. Jehu 
uh, he'll kill them. And whoever escapes Jehu's sword, don't worry about that. Elisha, he'll kill them. And, and oh, by the way, I have 7,000 who haven't bowed the knee to Baal, nor have they kissed him with their mouth. If these guys won't get it done, I've got another one after them and another one after them and another one after them and on and on and on, so on and so forth. Don't worry, Elijah, just do what I've asked you to do. And victory is assured. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, but let the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace. Watch this now. In believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you notice, at least I notice, there's a little sandwich here. There's the God of hope and what he gives, joy and peace. There is hope that is manifested by the power of the Holy Spirit. But right there, that little part I tried to emphasize that's in the middle is what activates both ends of this. In believing. Believe it. How am I going to have hope in this disparaging, difficult? Believe it. How am I going to have joy? Believe it. Believe it. Don't argue with God about it. Just believe it. Say, well, can, can you throw out a few examples of people who experienced that? First, my knee-jerk reaction is, well, let's, you know, let's go over to Hebrews 11. We'll look at the Hall of Fame of Faith. Oh, those are great examples of faithfulness. But some of those are disasters. Yeah, they got to it, but some of them were disastrous and stumbled along the way. Maybe not such great examples. Do you know that God gives us a list of people he says exemplify this. It's stuck in a far off place. The book of Ezekiel chapter 14 and he mentions it twice. Verse 14 and verse 20. There are three names on this list and he mentioned them in both places. Noah, Daniel, and Job. Noah, Daniel, and Job exemplify righteousness and faithfulness. How do they do that? Noah exemplified this righteousness and this faithfulness in the flood. He never, ever, not once, doubted God. And then there's Daniel. Daniel exemplified this righteousness and this faithfulness. Yeah, I know, in, in maintaining his purity and uh, setting his mind on his purpose. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, and all of that. But boy, it came to a head when he was thrown into the lion's den. He never doubted God. Never, not once, never. 
And then there's Job. Job exemplified this righteousness and this faithfulness by being attacked relentlessly by Satan himself. Satan did not send some of his minions, some of his lesser workers in order to go uh, work on Job. Satan did it himself. He took special attention. He is the master of destroying us spiritually. And he took on Job. And Job faced it and never doubted. Never did. So, which one of those do you most closely align with? Oh, boy. Preach for 120 years, nobody responds, get in the boat. No. Lion's Den, definitely not. Relentless punishment by Satan. Pass. You know who we almost always line up with? In fact, if I said, who is it that you most identify with in the scriptures? Almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody says, oh, I identify with Peter. I identify with Peter. Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. Peter had great faith. Lord said, get out of that boat, come to me. Peter steps out of the boat and starts to walk to Jesus on the water and starts to sink. Now listen to Jesus. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Well, I'll ask you that. Why do you doubt? Why not have faith like Noah? Why not have faith like Daniel and Job? Never doubt. Lord, I trust you. I believe. I believe it. You said it. I believe it. I think sometimes, and I'm going to share two things I think are important here. So if you're jotting stuff down, this is where... I really want you to mark it up. Number one, please remember that God is not in a hurry. You are in a hurry. I'm in a hurry. When I pray it, I want it now. It's important to remember God's not in a hurry. And the reason that I feel so stressed and so depressed And I feel like nobody cares, nothing's happening. The reason I feel those ways is because it's not happening fast enough. It's not happening as fast as I thought it should happen. Number one, God is not in a hurry. So trust him. It's going to work out. Just just be patient. And then the second thing, is this, if I am truly giving myself wholly, completely to the Lord, if I will do that, then he will take responsibility for me. 
If I'm trying to do it myself, I'm taking responsibility, and I promise it's going to be a disaster. But if I will give it to, and I don't mean just give the situation to God. That's not what I'm talking about, because you're going to have lots of situations. Forget the situation. I'm giving myself to the Lord. If I will commit myself to the Lord, then he will take responsibility for me. You think he's going to take something that he has responsibility for and just let it go to waste? The answer is no. He is going to use it to his glory. Don't you want that? Don't you want God to use you to his glory? Then quit just handing him some portions of you and give him all of you. So Elijah had to learn to give it up. Lord, whatever your plan is, that's my plan. You want to be encouraged? Be encouraged knowing that when you give it all to God, yourself, he'll take responsibility for you. He's not in a hurry. It's going to be in his own time. But you have assured victory. I have a little picture, calligraphy picture on my wall in my office. I see it every day when I go look out the window to the street. It's from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Isn't that what we just found out? I got to give myself to God. I got to trust God. When I do that, he will give the success. Not been doing that? Been feeling the burden, the weight, whatever that is. Today's the last day we have for sure. Now's the time to get things right, don't you think? We're committed this year to doing whatever it is we find our hand to do. Why don't we get started right now? If you need to respond for any reason, now is your opportunity. Why don't you come forward while we stand together and sing? My eyes are dry, my
prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper this morning. We'll be singing, Come Share the Lord. <clears throat> we gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving Son, the one of the emblems of the Lord's Supper today, please raise your hand as the guys come down the aisle and they'll make sure you have one. Among the many things the Lord's Supper means to us today, I want to suggest to you that the Lord's Supper for us is a proclamation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. A preacher friend of mine recently sent me this lapel pen. It says, we preach Christ crucified. And that's exactly what each one of us does 
every first day of the week. You are proclaiming, you are presenting a lesson individually and we do it collectively. That Jesus Christ came, that he suffered, that he died, and that he rose victoriously on the third day. That's why each first day of the week when we partake of these emblems, we need to realize the seriousness of what we're doing. The urgency of what we are proclaiming. We are proclaiming the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ and him crucified and our victory as well through our Lord. So think today as we partake of these emblems, as we remember our Lord's body, as we focus on the blood that was shed on the cross for our sins. And let's be thankful for what our Lord has done for us. Will you bow with me? Our merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we're so thankful to you for this bread that represents your precious body that was given for us on Calvary. As we partake this morning, may we do so in a well-pleasing manner. In Christ's name, amen. Again, let's think about the blood that washes away our sins. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this fruit of the vine that represents your son's blood that was shed on the cross for our sins, giving us the hope of heaven when this life is over. As we partake of this emblem, Father, may we think about your blood and what that blood means to us and the forgiveness that it provides. In your son's name we pray. Amen. We'll sing one verse of blessed assurance. <clears throat> blessings that you bestowed upon us, Heavenly Father. Uh, we are a blessed people and a blessed nation. 
We pray, Lord, that you will take the funds that are collected here this morning and that it will benefit your kingdom both in this country and abroad. It's in our great, your great and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Remember that your CYC is first deposits due this week, and uh, also we will have a CYC meeting next Sunday after church down front. If you're going to CYC next Sunday after church, we'll meet down front. Good morning. I want to welcome everyone here this morning. Uh, very thankful to be part of this church family, and we're thankful that you're here this morning with us. In worship, we had 345 in attendance this morning. It's almost 350, if you're counting. I have a card I want to read. Uh, this is from Field, Rebecca, Nathan, and Tucker Smitherman. Dear church family, thank you all for the prayers, calls, messages, and visits that you have given to us for my parents, David and Shirley White. They have been felt by all of us, and we are thankful Thankful they are getting better every day. We're so blessed to have such a wonderful church family. And again, that's from Field, Rebecca, Nathan, and Tucker Smitherman. Have a lot of announcements in the bulletin. Uh, make sure that you get a bulletin if you want to follow along, uh, especially last the leaders' events. Uh, make sure if you're involved with that, you look at this bulletin, and I'll make mention a couple things. First of all, uh, the church directory is coming soon. We have some information or the church directory outside on the tables. I'm sure you saw that. Please be sure you check your information. If everything looks good, just mark OK on that sheet and make any changes you may need. Landmark Nursing Home Devotional is today at 4. And again, we mentioned the last the leaders events. Uh, the, the event deadlines are today, must be verified today. Uh, and there's some information on the youth table in the foyer. And again, lots of uh, events going on. Uh, there is a junior leader K through five meeting in the little chapel immediately following, uh, following worship. And also puppets, all ages meet in the TAC following morning worship. Make sure though, if you're junior leader K through five, you go to that meeting first. Again, several events with last the leaders today if you wanna check that. Tonight we're hosting the Youth Area-Wide Worship and Fellowship. 
youth area wide is tonight. Uh, so please be here for that. Also, fellowship and I believe some tacos after. Need anything with that? Drew says we're good. Thumbs up. Good job, everybody. So be here for that. Also, the men's breakfast is next Sunday at 8 a.m. Jude has already reminded me that we need to be there because we missed the last one. I forgot, and he was mad at me. So we're going to go to that, Jude, I hope, next Sunday at 8 o'clock. But be sure you come to that, man. I want to mention this, and then we'll have our prayer. Uh, many of you know Addison McGuire. That is Philip Coates' great niece involved in a uh, very bad accident. And... Um, one thing that has lifted her spirits is cards. They've been getting cards, and uh, she enjoys reading those. So Rebecca's going to give Miss Jimmy the address for where she's at in Labonner. If any of you would like to send a card to help her uh, lift her spirits, also, you know, to give us a a chance to minister to that family. So. If, uh, if you see that, be looking for that address. Send a card to Addison. She's got a long way to go. Keep her in your prayers. If you will, bow with me, and we'll be dismissed. Our Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for this day that you've blessed us with, this time that we can be together to worship. We're just... Thankful, Father, for this congregation and the people that meet here. We love each other. We love you. We're just thankful that we can be part of this congregation. Father, we pray your blessings as we labor here that you would get all the glory, but that we could reach people and we could reach the world. We could reach our community and tell them the truth about your son. Father, we have a lot of people here that need our prayers, and I would just ask you to be with each of them. We'll pray, especially this morning, for Addison McGuire and her recovery, that, Father, her pain could be, uh, could be helped and that she could continue to recover. Pray for those that are working with her. Father, we pray for Nellie Barrett, which is Jerry's mother. Right now, she's on hospice. Father, we just pray that you would comfort her this part of her life. Father, we pray for Jerry and Andrew and Ben, and we just ask you to be with this family. We love them, and we just ask you to comfort them right now. Pray for Marvin Christian also and many, many others that need our prayers, and we just ask you to bless them. Father, again, we're thankful for this church. We're thankful that you love us. We're thankful most of all for your son. We ask all this in his name. Amen.